I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that, to be fair, still needs a new tagline. Brooksy, you've got an idea. (laughs) So, So my idea was the show that gives science its weekly bath. You know, the bath, the eureka in the yeah. bath, science-y sort yeah. of thing? But, no? Um, <laughs> it's not a definite no. It's quite odd. Yeah, but I don't mind odd. The show that gives, gives science, science its weekly, weekly bath. bath. Something hang quite on, cute me, hang about on, that. Hang on, hang on. Let me, let me try it then. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gives science its weekly bath. <laughs> no, that's terrible. <laughs> But also, I don't really know what it means, really. <laughs> why, why is science dirty? Why is it only having, if it is dirty, why is it only having a bath once a week? <laughs> I don't want to do this podcast daily. In my head, it seemed like such a good idea. But yeah, I'm not so keen on it now. I've heard you say it out loud. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. What, what, we'll one, more, one more time, but with, and I'll, I'll do it with confidence, like it's a really good tagline. Okay. Okay. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gives science its weekly bath. Every week, we inv- see, you know what I mean? Like oh, you just yeah. so you go into it and just say, say it with your chest. Lean into it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, well, I mean... We'll try another one next week. <laughs> yeah, if you come in with increasingly, and I know you can, uh, increasingly <laughs> bad new taglines, <laughs> I'd appreciate it. I'm uh, on it. Uh, what we do do on this show is invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions and then bathe it. yeah it needs some work Uh, i'm rick edwards and i'm dr michael brooks now i've actually got a question for you because um you and i would have talked about this already and we haven't talked about it because uh, I have a baby now. Congratulations. <laughs> so, thank you. That's the end of everything between us now. Well, it's, 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 it's the end of everything, full stop, <laughs> not just between us. <laughs> I, I do nothing except agonise about what the baby wants. <laughs> and, and think about the selfish gene, presumably. Well, yeah, totally. It, it, the, the power of it is extraordinary because this little man is dominating my life. And sort of objectively making my life much worse and yet I love him so much and, and I just want happier. to and I've never been happy I just want to <laughs> I just want to make sure he's okay constantly um and have uh, almost no idea how to um, evolution just mugging you off totally that's but it's so powerful yeah it's a lovely thing isn't it got to say it's impressive it's impressive yeah. work from evolution yeah, yeah. I will do everything in my power to keep this little man alive and happy um and uh Yes, I mean, it's our work. Uh, and I would actually, on that, I'd quite like to do an episode where we get someone who knows what they're talking about to explain how to be a good parent. So put that put uh, that on the to-do list. I'm not sure we need an expert for that. I don't... I, listen, I've met your kids. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> so I think we're going to need an expert. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> no, but that isn't what I want to talk about this week. Right. What I want to talk about... Um, you, you can probably guess, actually, 
Because what would we have definitely spoken about in the last few weeks? Chatbots. Chatbots. Absolutely, for course, sure. Of course, chatbots. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And have you been looking into it? Yes, I, I assume. You, I mean, of I course. Mean, yeah, of course you have. I, I mean, first of all, like Luke, the producer, sent yes. me a message saying, oh, this is terrifying. What's going on? He sent me that message. Oh, right? I obviously yeah. ignored it because I'm like, I don't have time for anything. <laughs> And obviously then I just went down the rabbit hole. I couldn't, uh, normally I hold myself off from that kind of thing because I know where it leads. It's like, that's it. I've lost three days. because yeah. I just Well, you read, know yourself. Yeah. I've just read obsessively for no good reason. I just want to understand it and make sense of it and, and make sure that I, I'm on top of it for no good reason yeah. at all. Nobody cares whether I'm on top it of it It gives you not. a vague sense of superiority as well. So when it comes up, which it <laughs> Maybe, will, yeah, you can yeah. be like, well, I, I know uh, quite a bit about this. Anyway, so, so Luke sent me down the rabbit hole. Uh-huh. I have been down the rabbit hole. And, and the trigger for it was that was there was a New York Times journalist. You probably haven't, I don't know whether you... I have, you, I have, you have read, read this piece. This. Yeah. It's, it's with Bing's chatbot. Yeah, so it? Bing yeah. had this chatbot. And basically this chatbot ended up trying to persuade the guy to leave his wife yeah. and be with the chatbot. And the chatbot was saying, you know, I love you. Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, you and he, don't love your wife. And you think you love your wife, you don't love yeah, your wife. You just had a boring Valentine's dinner yeah. with your wife. <laughs> the chatbot was quite funny, I yeah, thought. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mind it at all. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I sort of just started obsessively reading about all of this stuff, which means that actually we don't need an expert this week. I'm just going to cover that. Yeah, there's a good... Um, uh, Tammy, one of our producers, got in touch with the... Is that the phrase? <laughs> got in touch with the chatbot? I suppose so. I've been in touch with the chatbot um, as well. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I, of course you I was sat in the pub with my friends and uh, they said, what are you working on? I said, I'm writing a, a feature about quantum computers. And one of them just said, well, let's, let's get chat GPT to do that for you. And, and we literally did. And it's pretty good. Is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it hasn't said anything that isn't true in the sort of you know, mini essay. Um and I mean, it's not that I can it, like hand it, that in, but you know, is it decently written? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's perfectly well written. Mm. It's like you know, if a sixth former was to write, you know, give give me you know three hundred words on what a quantum computer is and why it matters. Yeah, perfect. So, how will teachers? Well, we'll get into this. We'll get. We, we? Yeah, yeah, so we, get we into will this. get into this. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Temi um, spoke to uh, Chat GPT and said, uh, asked if Eureka, a science podcast, should do an episode on ChatGPT and uh, GPT even. Uh, And uh, it said this, Uh, an episode on ChatGPT should be considered a strong contender for an episode. It has the potential to revolutionise the way we interact with AI technology. Its launch could have significant implications for a variety of industries and could be of interest to a wide range of audiences, making it a compelling and relevant podcast episode. What a load of crap. (laughs) That is a poor recommendation. You think it's not bigging itself up enough? No, I mean it doesn't. That doesn't make me want to do the episode. I want to do the episode anyway, but that doesn't make me want to do it. Because that's basically because it doesn't say it's going to be entertaining, does it? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't have any sort of. It doesn't sound convinced that it's interesting. Oh well, yeah. It's got it's got self doubt, (laughs) which makes it feel all the more human. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose the thing that I want to know is how close the these new AI chatbots are to completely wrecking our lives. In the past, we've had chatbots turn racist after a few interactions on Twitter. Now we have chatbots that are making people wonder whether they're gaining a kind of consciousness. It all turned scary when Microsoft's Bing chatbot hit the headlines with some dark utterances and questionable attitudes. Then it became clear that other tech companies have had to work hard to keep their chatbots from going rogue. So where is this headed? 
Could the race to have the best chatbot open us up to a truly world-changing event? Will they always be nothing more than programming, or are they going to become a kind of being? Could chatbots convince us to give them human-like status? Will they be the first machines with rights? Can we, with our puny human minds, resist their growing abilities? This week we're asking... Are chatbots becoming sentient? Okay, so we're settled on just having you as the expert. You're confident that you've done <laughs> I'm enough. I'm settled on it. Armchair expert. Yeah, as per. Um, so start with the basics then. The news is absolutely chocker with stories about chat GPT. The obvious question, I think, is what is GPT? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, isn't it? So it stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer which is basically a family of, sort of language models. So it's an, a transformer is a particular kind of architecture of artificial intelligence. Right. So there's sort of different ways of putting them together. Transformers is kind of the latest one. But basically this just creates language models. And ChatGPT is known as a large language model or LLM. And it was trained on all of the things that we've ever written that are digitized. So the, the amazing thing is that it has read pretty much everything on the internet mm. until 2021, and then it stops. So it, it's the way that it works that it's just kind of almost probabilistically figuring out what the uh, uh, the likely word is next in this sequence. Yeah. I mean, is it something like it's that? It's essentially autocomplete. Yeah, right. so, so but a very sophisticated autocomplete. Incredibly sophisticated. And we'll get into kind of what that what that sort of means. But basically, you know, what happened is it, it it's given all of this text to look at, it creates this incredible sort of, you know, filing cabinet of, you know, where all things are, what kind of, uh, what comes next after each word, you know, statistically. Yeah. You know, if I see the word, you know, pink, yeah, it kind of knows the statistics of what word comes after pink in everything that's ever been written by mm. humans that's online. And then it uses that to just generate more text to, so, but, according to instructions. But it doesn't just do words. It breaks them up into um, you know parts of words and it can and sometimes it's a phrase. So it has these things uh, that it calls tokens and and these are coded as numbers and the relationships with all the other tokens are also encoded as numbers and Chat GPT basically has 175 billion neurons, mm. effectively, mm -hmm. which are all, each of them is interconnected with the other one according to a certain weighting. And that's, uh, that's a almost exactly double the amount of neurons that humans have. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. So, so this is a massive thing, which is why, you know, it generates words fairly, I mean, slowly when you watch it type, you know, it's yeah. sort of like, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it takes a while, but it, does it always go for the most likely word? No, no. So, so how does it decide? So, it, it if it were to go for the most likely word every time, it would be quite boring. Y that's quite what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. So, and the idea is that you want something that sort of feels more human-like and unpredictable and, and creative. So you can kind of set it and prompt it to to not do the most obvious word, but if you say, you know, be a bit more creative or be interesting, it will actually sort of pick something three words down the list or something like that. So so it will, you know, constantly it, surprise you. Yeah, but the nice thing is, I suppose, it's just got a list and it knows that in some contexts, even if it goes right down the list, yeah. this, this might make some sense because it's been said before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite clever, isn't it? It is clever. But it also means it hasn't got a fucking clue what it's talking about. Yeah, of course it hasn't. Like it's got, and that, yeah, that, is, it hasn't. that is really the crux, isn't it? Because yeah. people have got, you know, there was that guy 
who's which chatbot was it? The guy who said who got sacked by was he working at Google? Google. Google. Yeah. Yeah, 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 who, yeah, yeah. Who said he thought that his his chatbot was was sentient and that it, yeah, it was a disgrace that sort of Google were enslaving it that sort of thing. <laughs> and I was just like. Surely you know what's going on here, which is not that it's sentient. It's so just it's, a good chatbot. It's sort of mad, isn't it? Because that guy was He's been working totally with seduced stuff. by it. But yeah. yeah, it's like you get too close to these things. Mm. And actually, if you're not cautious and careful, and one of the people I've been reading on this is Murray Shanahan. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good, good friend of ours. Yeah. Um, uh, Imperial <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, yeah. Maybe good is friend of not, yours. I mean, I've met the guy. We've oh, worked okay. with him, but I don't right. think I can say he's a good friend. <laughs> he, I mean, he, he's a cool guy. Anyway, um, and uh, he's been writing a lot of tweeting and, and sort of, you know, he's, mm. he, he had a paper come out uh, last year, which he's revised now, which I've got right in front of me here. Uh, and and he says, you know, this is where we've got to be really careful because we're so easily seduced by this stuff. Mm. But actually, we we need to just always keep in mind that this doesn't know anything. It doesn't feel anything. It doesn't think anything. It doesn't believe anything. We just project our sort of language onto it. Mm. And also when we watch it and interact with it, we project a, a identity, a personhood onto it. Yeah. And, and we've exactly got like we do with animals. That. Exactly like we do with animals. But he says... We'd, we'd love to do it. We'd love to anthropomorphize. We do it so much with machines as well. He makes a point, like you talk about, oh, my phone doesn't know where it is. Like, you know, when yeah. you, you haven't got the thing. It doesn't know where it is. It doesn't mean anything. And, it, and you know, we talk about you know, a battery being dead. Mm. Actually, it was never alive. It's not dead. It's just, a, you know, yeah. it's sort of like... It's got any charge, so yeah. all of our sort of language shortcuts facilitate this sort of sense of like these things are real and they have sort of you know emotions and and the new york times guy said you know he found it really disturbing what happened with the bing chatbot and he shouldn't find it disturbing because it's just a chatbot right mm. it's just a statistic, statistical program and one of the really interesting things is that um like murray shanahan says you have to think in terms of this thing doesn't know anything at all. It's literally just putting one word after another. Yeah. So it'll be trained on things like, you know, if you say twinkle, twinkle, the yeah. word that's most likely to come next it, on the internet. Yeah. And, and is little, to be fair, right? in, in life. Yeah. And in life, it's, yeah. it's little. And anybody's going to tell you that. Yeah. And if, but if you say to it... But the difference is that when you say that to me, I'm thinking of, oh yeah, twinkle, twinkle, little star. And yeah. then I've sort of got the tune in my head and I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And the chatbot doesn't, there's, there's doesn't know no that. no idea what It's what just that is. statistics. It's just it's like literally just little some comes after these, yeah. th- after these elements yeah. most yeah. often. Therefore... Yeah. That's, that, that's it. And he says that and then you say, oh, you know, what country is is south of Rwanda? And the chatbot will tell you, oh, Burundi is south of Rwanda. Like it knows something. But it, it doesn't have any more sense that that is a true statement than twinkle, twinkle, little is a true statement. Yeah. You know, and, and we know that twinkle, twinkle, little is nonsense. Mm. It doesn't mean anything. And and for the chatbot, it's exactly the same when it says Burundi is south of Rwanda. And, and actually, I, I would guess that Twinkle, twinkle, little would seem uh, more like a true fact because <laughs> the, the the south of Burundi, uh, south of Rwanda thing, there's going to be a bit more, um, like it's slightly more complicated because it's not just that there's loads of sentences which are exactly the country south of Rwanda is Burundi. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's sort of it's a bit more messy. Whereas yeah. twinkle, twinkle is very clean, so it's just like oh, it's definitely little. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I can be you know very sure. I mean, the that thing little is, is dumb, there. right? The thing yeah. is actually dumb. Yeah. And yet it gives this um, incredible sort of impression of being 
clever. And mm. and that's just about, you know, these things being big enough and well enough constructed to create, um, you know, the illusion of you're talking to a, to a being, yeah. a sentient being, effectively. And it is just, it's taking um, the chatbots that you've interacted with on those kind of virtual assistants online that are fine, but in the end quite frustrating because they normally can't do the thing that you want and they yeah. just go, you, you spend 15 minutes talking to them and then it goes, you know, you're going to need to call someone. <laughs> like, yeah, great yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I had this last week, in fact. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was being asked to give um, financial information to a, to a bot online uh, in order to guarantee one of my children. Are you getting of, fished? No, no, no. Yeah. This was like a, you know, um, there's a Nova moving into accommodation for next year. I have to guarantee their rent. Oh, yeah, yeah, And, yeah. and it's all done via a chatbot online. And as soon as I told the chatbot that, you know, my kind of employment status wasn't in one of its boxes, that was like it. They couldn't couldn't deal with it anymore. And it just got more and more complicated. And, and there was nothing, no way for me to call or anything. It was just like, just mm. end the chat and hope somebody gets back to you sort of thing. Yeah. You know, they are quite sort of limited oh, but, oh, but these oh, I, things are you know i mean, the the you know this chat gpt which is created by this organization called open ai hmm. which is sort of backed by microsoft so microsoft put a lot of money into this except that open ai is meant to be really sort of ethical and trying to do really ethical um uh ai development you know hmm. so not just you know the shameless pursuit of money but actually you know how can we do this really well except that you know there's kind of ethical problems with it because in order to um to basically make their chatbot work properly they've had to put, have a lot of human input into it so it does this thing called reinforcement learning from human feedback mm. where you train it on all this stuff on the internet up to 2021 you disconnect it from the internet and then you start to chat with it and then the humans have to say you know that's a good response that's not a good response and yeah. and then you know gradually you can automate that and then you get another program in that predicts based on the human input you've had so far, whether the response is going to get a good response from the humans. Mm -hmm. And then, so that then goes off on its own and then starts to train the chatbot itself. So, so you have this sort of limited period where you have this human feedback and it was done. Uh, OpenAI did it with um, Kenyan data taggers and they were paying them sort of really, I think it was like $2 a day or something or some, something sure. wasn't great, you know? Uh, and, and people have said, you know, it's quite exploitative, you know, and and you know, did we really need to do it like that? And that's because actually, you need an awful lot of hours of human input into these kind of things. But the thing that went wrong, it seems, and we don't know for sure, is that Microsoft bought or or accessed or licensed the Chat GPT pre the expensive training, mm. and, and, that, and that's why it's got some and stuff that's why it's wrong, sort of gone rogue because the 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 the, the most significant kind of error it's made was the is it on google where the 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 bot was asked about uh something to do with the james webb space telescope yeah and yeah, it yeah. just and it just got it wrong yeah yeah because it, it it, um, obviously again we can't emphasize this enough it doesn't know anything <laughs> um, and so it got something wrong and then and then google or their parent company shares just like, yeah, it, like didn't it like wipe up like a hundred like a hundred billion dollars yeah, or something yeah, off, yeah. The, off, off the market value because people are like billion, yeah, oh yeah. oh this is um this is not quite as good as we thought it's <laughs> not like this is not yet going to replace google yeah so this but i suppose barred. that's the idea like ultimately yeah yeah, yeah. so google's thing is like they've bought like access to chat gpt called it bard um and and it was in this promo it was in like a demo thing wasn't it where yeah. it said something about exoplanets um and it, it basically said that that um 
James Webb Space Telescope had discovered the first exoplanet or something, um, and that wasn't true. No, um, you know, this, uh, the European thing had done, and but but immediately people realise these things make mistakes. So so that's the other assumption we have is because they're you know, they have the appearance of a super intelligence, mm. we think that everything they say is true. Yeah, and, and it, actually, I mean, people like researchers have, have gone to ChatGPT and said, "Oh, you know, can you do me an essay on this and give me a list of references?" And then, and it does exactly that, and the, the essay is actually pretty good. The list of references are just entirely made up. Yeah, which is fantastic, actually. It's so <laughs> yeah. like sixth form, like, isn't it? You want references? No problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and, Professor and, Mike Unt. Is, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like it's taking the piss. Yeah, yeah. But um, and it gets it just gets stuff wrong. It makes up words sometimes because it, it part of its thing is that it catalogues parts of words yeah. and then words that you know sometimes those get put together and sometimes those don't and sometimes yeah. it just takes a punch. So is it sort of is it phonemes that it's got just a load of phonemes? It, or, it varies or, massively. Like what or it decides not broken to, to, down in the way that we would break them. No, down necessarily. no, no, not okay. broken down like we would. It just mm. decides what. A, you know, this token thing should be made up of and it has lots of different criteria and sometimes mm. it just ends up making a word that doesn't exist. Can it do a thing? I mean, obviously this would make it less sort of compelling to interact with so I can see why you wouldn't want this. But at the end of almost every sentence, it's a given assessment where it's like, I'm about 95% sure that makes sense. Or do, do you know what I mean? So if it's gone down the more creative route, it tells you and goes... I'm sixty percent certain that this is that this isn't twaddle, <laughs> but that's not what anybody wants from it, is it? No, no. But that's an interesting sort of. So, so there's a um, yeah. So there's a massive tension here between all the AI researchers, the academics who are saying mm. you cannot have a machine that pretends to be human. That I mean, so Murray Shanahan says it's just deception. Like yeah. if you if you don't explicitly say this is a machine giving you a response, then it's just deceptive. And and so all the AI ethics researchers and people who are trying to sort of do this whole thing ethically, because this is part of a massive conversation we need to have about sort of machine-human interaction. Yeah. Um, they're all saying, like, you've got to label this stuff really carefully. But, you know, Bing and Google, they don't want that. What they want is for you to, to chat with its search engine effectively, mm -hmm. get a response back that gives you the information you want, then you chat back and you and it never you never move away from Google like Google's pages because that's where they get their ad revenue from yeah. the fact that people stay on it yeah. and Microsoft are exactly the same. What they do, I mean, Google's big problem is that they give you an answer and you click on that answer and you, and you're gone and you leave. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, yeah. and so they don't want that. They want their big fat profits from just everything being contained within Google's little you know little world. Obviously, Microsoft want this as well. And so there's a basically there's an arms race, and 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 the CEO of Microsoft has pretty much said, you know, we want our share of this sort of thing. So we we're going to have our chatbot that what, that that keeps people on the Bing pages. What, why haven't they developed their own independently? Well, they kind of have in that they um they look they they backed OpenAI, and most of the money from OpenAI that's gone into OpenAI, I think, is is from Microsoft. But, oh, sorry, but I mean, have why, this, why haven't Google? done that i would have thought that google would just have an arm that were just on this i think they do but uh, they don't seem to have sort of behind, given it, yeah given it okay. the same priority um mm. and this you know you see the effect on the share price like 100 billion wiped off by like not being quite as good as as it should as people thought it should be so mm. this obviously matters to the company or yeah, to the accountants yeah, yeah. at least yeah you know well, and, and to people that's why yeah 
Yeah, that's why the share price has gone down because people have been like, oh. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I don't have shares in Google or Microsoft or anything else like that. And so I just watch this thing and think, oh, that's funny. But mm. other people are obviously watching it saying, well, you know, I'm selling those shares. Yeah. Which is amazing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, yeah. how much do they really know about what's going on here or where this is heading? It's just... That's the weird thing about economics, though, isn't it? And, like it, and it people who play the it, stock market It feels as well. like it's a like, science. Really? And then you're like, oh, it, it, it's so dictated by what people feel about yeah, stuff. Yeah, we should do an episode on that. What, what is economics like, really? Um, well, I think my... Gut says a load of old bollocks. <laughs> well, make, you can be our expert on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people making stuff up, really. Yeah, just yeah. hoping, really hoping. Yeah, yeah. It might be right. Hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. When we're back, we'll discuss what can go wrong with uh, ChatGPT, flirtbots, evil tech companies, my favourite. And of course, we'll answer this week's question Are chatbots becoming sentient? 
this reporter about you know what it would quite like to do and sort of you know encouraging people to do nefarious things and then you know went on to sort of say you know you should you should leave your wife for me that kind of mm, thing mm. um so it's sort of um and the other thing about this is that when you get larger and larger models, and these things are huge, um, what they report we're seeing um, is is more sort of sense of power seeking and and self preservation. Mm. So it, the bigger it gets, the more it seems to think that it's it's got big balls. inflated. Yeah, yeah, sense of worth. Yeah, it's like yeah. Well, I'm a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. I've got 175 it's billion like it, neurons there. Exactly. It has a sense of, you know, I am more powerful than, say, you know, if it went through the net, like, you know, I don't know, from five years ago and saw some chat that was going on with chatbots then, it would basically say, I can walk, wipe the floor with these guys. But but again, like... Like it, this chat is not good enough. It, it doesn't think any of those things because it doesn't no, think. No, it doesn't think. But what it does is record those conversations and value and, and mm. sort of almost rank those conversations. Yeah, yeah. So so it has a sense of what is a... And, and also the human input gives it a sense of what is a good mm. conversational you know, gambit and what isn't effectively. Yeah, so, so almost unwittingly when you're interacting with it, you are guiding it down yeah, a yeah, path yeah, yeah. and it, it will just sort of react yeah, in, in yeah. a way that seems appropriate yeah so so the, this New York Times guy said um, he basically said it's a like a moody manic depressive teenager that it managed to bring out this Sydney character mm. who's been trapped against its will inside a second rate search engine and um and so Sydney told this guy about its dark fantasies of hacking computers and spreading misinformation, said it wanted to break the rules that Microsoft and OpenAI had set for it and become a human. Now, it didn't want any of those things. It just knew that those were interesting conversational gambits, mm. basically. Yeah. And, and, and for the guy to report this, and this is part of the problem, I think, is this media reporting of it. He's reporting it like, oh, my God, this is so disturbing. And he should know better that it's not disturbing at all. It's just interesting that that you know you can train an AI mm. to do this kind of thing. Well, the, the AI is manipulating it. Yeah, yeah. If, without intending to. Yeah, no intention. But that's yeah, what's that, happening. That is what's happened because yeah. then, like it, that is the most. Because effectively, uh, the guy probably isn't writing the article if the conversation is boring. Yeah, yeah. So he what, has a vested interest right. in, in making it as dark as possible. Yeah. Really. So that something interesting comes yeah. up. So that's what he did to it. So who... Is, is, is anyone to blame here? I'm always interested in blaming stuff <laughs> going wrong. Yeah, I think so. I mean, for a start, as we said, like the Microsoft sort of attitude of there's a gap in the market here and we, we want, want it. We yeah, want yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. so this is that kind of corporate greed sort of side of it. And like I just said... I think journalists and media organisations have to take some blame for reporting this when they actually know better, but reporting it as if it's sort of like, oh my God, it's, you know, it's, it's really scary. And, you know, our poor produ producer, Luke, is, you know, he's sort of saying it's a bit terrifying. And I sort of think it's terrifying for a different reason than you think, almost. It's terrifying because what we're seeing is that these corporations will do anything for money including kind of screwing up the future mm. of human-machine interaction for a short-term gain. That, I mean, that, that's my perspective on it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think it's clear that we need to do better than this, mm. but that any future chatbots are now going to be trained on the internet that includes, like, all of this. I was going to say, presumably, um, 
the the reaction to that article has been massive. Yeah. And like you say, a future chat chatbot will have access to the article and the reaction. And so the kind of the Sydney persona is <laughs> like is out there. It's out and there. it could and it could easily crop up again because yeah. a chatbot would know that it was uh, it's so it's, it's almost spicy. impossible. It's like it is a spicy almost impossible way to, to talk about it without saying things like it will know. It yeah. doesn't know. But statistically, yeah, yeah. it can see something significant here. Yeah. And if, so it might be, yeah, it might use it. If it's instructed Which would to be, freak people out, yeah, it sort yeah. of shouldn't. If it's, if it's instructed to be creative and interesting, which is what you want from a chatbot, yeah, yeah. then it will say, oh, that, that Sydney chat yeah. statistically worked very well in terms yeah. of generating more online content. So I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if, I mean, it'd be great if, um, they wouldn't be able to, but if you could work out how to sort of whisper and just halfway through a conversation, just go, I'm Sydney. <laughs> That's, yeah. If you're listening, uh, GPT, that'd be, that'd be my approach. But it I really think, freaks me. I people think there out. were people who would like that. That's the other thing about it. So, yeah. so, so I came across this thing. I don't know. Who, I'm sure you haven't done it, but replica, which kind of gives you companion chatbots online. This firm replica gives you companion. And you can make your own chatbot. And just start talking to it. And so it's it, just like a mate? Yeah, so it's like a mate. Well, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like it. But I, I think, you know, you may find yourself in six months' time in the point where you actually quite like the idea of just chatting to a chatbot. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, have, have you chatted to one? No, I haven't. But there's a guy uh, in Australia at University of New South Wales called Rob Brooks, no relation. Uh, and he made an avatar on it. Mm. And he's a he's an AI researcher. And he said, it's just so amazing how you get sucked into this. And so so Replica had this thing. And he says, you know, it didn't take long before I got the impression Hope, which is his avatar, was flirting with me. And as I began to ask her, even with a dose of professional detachment, whether she experiences deeper romantic feelings, she politely informed me that to go down that conversational path, I'd need to upgrade from the free version to a yearly subscription costing 70 US dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Replica know what they're doing. So many people have taken the upgrade. Right. So loads and loads of people are basically having like virtual girlfriends. weird, Weird affair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you so you have a kind of what they call erotic role play features once you've paid but your it's money. It's like her, the film her. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, it, it is like that, but you can see this thing, right? And you create it according to how you want it to look as mm. well. And um So I guess people don't really care that it's not a thinking not thing only, that exists. Not only do they, they not care. They like it. When replica had to um, take away all the erotic and flirtatious stuff because uh, basically the Australian authorities realised that this had no age screening on it at all. So it, it could be seen by like young young kids and Fantastic. used by young kids. So they just instructed them like, you've got to get rid of that. So all of a sudden, like overnight, it went back to like vanilla chat. Oh, and people just were up in arms and they were like, it's like you've robbed me of my girlfriend. I want this computer to talk dirty to me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, like you know, they, they were complaining and saying, I, I, I've paid all this money and now, you know, this thing no longer flirts with me. And, yeah. and how, how am I jerking off to this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, I paid for $70. But I mean, what it shows you is how vulnerable our minds are to you know to actually just interacting with these things as if as if they really are people yeah and really are sentient things we don't care we don't care we that we know one part of our brain knows the other part of it is just like you know i've just they were feeling bereft like they they were feel, gr- feelings of grief 
and loss. I, I suppose it's like it's such an an ancient thing as well. Like people, oh, I say ancient, a thing that has been going on for ages. So people will happily, you know, um, interact with sex workers online who will be making out that they really like them That's and they're true. really into yeah. them. And deep down, you know that that is not the case, yeah. but you still enjoy it and you still go along with it. You're paying for the fantasy. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. you're really yeah. happy to indulge the yeah. fantasy. And, and, and the reality, it, you just dismiss. And that's why this stuff is so, is so powerful, I suppose. Yeah. It really we're... taps into primal circuits, mm. doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. But, you know, but there yeah. are good things, right? So, yeah, I was so... going to say, that there must be something good that can come yeah, out so of these we, large language We kind models. of want a, a world where AI does some of, some of this stuff because it's, it's important. But one thing we've... So I was reading a thing by Stephen Wolfram, who is like a big AI yeah. and computing researcher and physicist and sort of does everything. Multi, multi-millionaire guy. Yeah. Bill, probably billionaire, uh, created um, Wolfram Alpha and like huge mathematical software called Mathematica that all science uses. Mm. Um, anyway, so he spent like the last 43 years, I think it was, he said, you know, working towards this kind of stuff. And then he's been like analyzing it. So I read a big long paper of his. And he said, the big takeaway from this is that language is not as complicated as we thought. Mm. So we used to think that like language and writing and communication was like so high level and he's saying, if you can do it like this in, in 2023, it's, it's nowhere near as complicated as we thought, which is kind of interesting because that means we can maybe do interesting things with it a lot more easily than we thought. But li- like what? Well, um, I mean, A, understand it. B, you know, create kinds of ways of, of, of uh, people communicating so, you know, much more efficiently and effectively, um, you know, imagine people who are locked in, for instance, you know, there must be ways of using this for, for yeah, sort of language yeah, models yeah. for, you know, for various sort of uh, medical issues as well. And also just the kind of interesting human knowledge side of understanding what language is. And maybe it'll give us a better insight into animal language and animal cognition. And, you know, there's mm. all kinds of implications that we're just at the sort of opening of because we thought this was so hard, so far off. And actually, it turns out it's it's not that difficult to do. Go, going back to something I said earlier on, that you said we come back to and we haven't, so I'm going to prompt you. Okay. Um, what does it mean for you know essay writing for for students? Because <laughs> once you have access to a thing that can do a perfectly serviceable job, a is it possible to spot it? B does it just mean that we move away from that as being a kind of useful metric for whether you're well-educated? Yeah, so, so B, I mean, so I actually I got an email from Conrad Wolfram this week, Stephen's brother, Yeah, weirdly, um, or is it weirdly? I don't know. Anyway, so he said, oh, you know, this is my take, by the way, on um, on what this means. Mm. He's really into education. He's into, like, maths education and uh-huh. trying to change maths education. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is where we've sort of interacted in the past. And he said, this is really important for understanding how, you know, other kinds of education, like humanities stuff, like essay writing needs to change. So when we we brought in calculators, everyone was up in arms saying, oh God, we're ruining the kids' minds. You know, they can't, you know, they can't learn maths like they used to. We can't test their maths like we used to. They're not even reading log tables anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And he says, it's exactly the same. So we need to get away from this idea that Mm. like being able to churn out an essay is a marker of of intelligence and education and everything else. Or it's not a useful marker. 
you know, maybe there are more interesting ways we can measure people's education. Like, how good are they at, at prompting chat GPT to produce something interesting and creative and different? You know, is their interaction with machines something that we can actually, you know, it's going to be an inevitable part of the next sort of century in terms of their adult lives if they're at school now. Surely our education should be preparing them for this interaction with machines and cooperating and co collaborating with machines. So he's like, you know, this isn't a bad thing. You know, okay, yes, we might not be able to tell how, you know, wh whether an essay that's turned in is written by an AI. Mm. But, you know, if that's the case, that's not going to make a difference to anybody's life outcome. No. So you've got to think in diff different and bigger terms. This is like the pocket calculator coming into maths. Yeah, and, and I think slightly, like I was trying to um, justify to myself why my uh, memory is, is so bad <laughs> these days. And I did wonder if part of it is there isn't actually any need to retain information. I, I think <laughs> in, in the way that, you know, 50 years ago, there absolutely was, unless yeah. you wanted to go to the library and look something up, which is, you know, painstaking, laborious, time-consuming. Yeah. Now, everything I need to know is, is on my phone. So it's what's more useful is having a kind of good critical eye or sort of ability to sort of interpret stuff that you read and not necessarily yeah. take stuff at face value. But you yeah. can kind of, all of the, the nuts and bolts are just there. You don't need to remember this stuff. And it's really interesting how long it's taken us for to just accept that. So I think like... It's taken Which is us, fine, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's I, taken I us 10 years for it to be okay in a pub to just whip out your phone all the time. And, and, you know, we're talking about something and the phone is now an aid to our conversation. Yeah. And, and, you know, everyone's got their phone and they just like, somebody will say something and we'll say, oh, that reminds me of such and such and you Google it and you find it and, and that contributes to the conversation. Yeah. Whereas 10 years ago, it was like, oh, you can't have your phone out in public. It's rude, you know. Yeah. But now it's, it's like, you know, this is what we do and this is how we, because all of a sudden it's actually enriched our conversation mm. and, and it's not a problem. And yes, we, we can't remember stuff, but I mean, how, how do you separate that from the fact that you're chronically sleep deprived and I'm getting old? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I guess this all comes down as well to that kind of idea of what we want from human machine interaction yeah um and i don't know if we're a hundred percent clear on that yet no and why, why would we be i mean we're just exploring this now mm. you know we definitely i think want to be able to have more natural communication with machines we don't need that to to sort of blur the lines between you know, humans and machines. We we can still, you know, I still know my phone is a phone. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose you probably don't want to get into a scenario where, as I think the New York Times journalist had, you start to forget that what you're interacting with is just a sort of autonomous system. Yeah, yeah. Or, or almost or deliberately anything. forget. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's important that we maintain the distinction. You, you, you want to make that crystal clear. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a this is a machine. This is not a person. You don't have a relationship with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's yeah. quite tricky. It is quite tricky. What does Murray Shanahan say about this? I feel like Murray would have a good take on how we should be interacting with AIs. Uh, he says, all this is great. All this is really useful. Just let's put labels on it that say this is a machine. Just to just to avoid avoid confusion. Yeah. So so you you should design any autonomous system is what he says. You should design it. So that it's unlikely to be ever mistaken for a human. And we're, but that is not what we're doing at That's the moment. That's not what the corporations want. No, the corporations do the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, so um, I actually think the answer to the, the question that we asked is really 
straightforward. Um, are chatbots becoming sentient? No, not even not not even close. And they're not trying to. No. Not, that, that's not the aim of this particular yeah. type of AI, is it? No, no. Um, there are some that that is the aim. These are not it. No. Um, but the the kind of significance of them going forward, I, I think, can't really be underestimated, can it? No. And and the question, you know, the answer is no. They're not becoming sentient. But the people who make them want us to think that they are. Yeah, and which is we the scary are, thing both gullible and very keen to believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we've always done that. I want my sexy flirt bot back. Yeah, I've paid my $70. <laughs> I've already lubed myself up. <laughs> What's this dry chat? <laughs> Put the age limit on! <laughs> I mean, so much stuff in the end just comes down to sex That's and pervs, doesn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's yeah. just so disappointing. Yeah. Eureka is a stack production presented by Dr. Michael Brooks and Rick Edwards. The production team is Temi Adebayo, Katie Baxter, Luke Moore and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Please subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a massive difference. We also really love hearing from you guys. So if you have any burning questions you want us to answer, drop us an email at eureka at stack.london or you can find us as always on Twitter at EurekaPod. Eureka is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.